Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From brain fog to trouble sleeping, when it comes to long COVID symptoms, there's a lot we still don't understand. One national study is trying to pinpoint the causes and potential treatments for long COVID complications. And one of the main sites for that study is right here in Illinois. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. COVID cases across the country began to rise at the end of the summer. It's considered a wave, not a spike. And while many people end up recovering, nearly one in five U.S. adults report having long COVID. Common symptoms include brain fog and fatigue. Now, we recently spoke with the primary investigator of Recover Studies and director of infectious disease research at North Shore Edward Elmhurst Health, Nirav Shah, to learn more about that long COVID study by the National Institutes of Health. But first, I started by asking Nirav what we do know about long COVID. It's a public health emergency, um, and it's a constellation of different symptoms. So it took us a long time to really understand what long COVID really is. So there's about 200 different symptoms that could be part of long COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we're understanding with some of the efforts from the Recover trial that um There are about three clusters that um, patients tend to have and that patients generally want to have addressed. That is, like you mentioned, um, exercise intolerance, brain fog, and then there's something called autonomic dysfunction, which is when the body kind of automatically does things such as a racing heart rate, um, uh, fatigue after exertion, um, dizziness, et cetera. Mm. So those are some of the things I I would say. Nationally, this is this is quite significant because about 7.5% of all adults have long COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and what uh, this ha- is in terms of implications population-wide is um, that right now I read an Economist article that we currently have the highest disability rate ever. And the, the thought is, is that this is attributed to long COVID. Really? Yes. Wow. And, and so, I mean, all of these questions, Nirava, I'm sure are what led to this study coming Correct. to Correct. Exactly. Tell us how it started. Well, so um, during the pandemic, um, uh, there were folks that started developing this syndrome after, you know, three months of infection. And so the NIH decided to put um, a large sum of money, over $1.15 billion, into trying to understand what this process is. Um, and then to provide treatment trials to target the different clusters that they saw. So um, Recover has a lot of observational cohorts where they're following patients to really understand what types of um, disease process exists. Are patients getting better? Um, what's the s- symptoms? And then now they've launched, essentially after this period of understanding, um, four clinical trials, um, and they are Recover Vital, Recover Neuro, mm-hmm. Recover Sleep, and Recover Auto. Um, and so those are the four main trials that they're getting at to try to target therapeutics at the different syndrome clusters. So what exactly are the questions that we still have that we hope to answer through this study? Well, we're trying to understand if there are treatment options that actually improve symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so as of right now, there haven't been any large-scale treatment trials that have really shown benefit for this. There have been case studies, some smaller trials that may show some signal here and there, 
Um, but there hasn't been really a definitive study that says this is the drug that we're going to use. Mm. So how long has the study been going on? So the study, so, the, you know, there's four studies in there. Because the, these are huge studies, national, they're kind of getting kicked off um, oh, okay. slowly. Okay, so sequence. they started at different times. Yes. So Recover Vital was the first one to kick off, and that's the study that we're active with um, at North Shore EEH. Um, and so that started around July. Um, neuro started around the same time, but that is slowly getting kicked off. And then um, sleep and auto are going to come in the coming months. So those are the those are the studies. And I see. And and how long do you think you're you're planning to continue these different phases? So each of these studies are something called platform trials. So these are innovative trial designs where they have a larger study in place. And what they do is they add a new addendum if there's a new drug they want to test out. So as more information comes out, it's a very flexible way that they can add n new therapeutics, whether it's drugs or um, non-pharmacologic therapies, to basically understand if this improves you know, the underlying disease process or symptoms that are coming about. Mm. So what do we currently know about treatment, Yorav? I mean, is there a treatment that is currently working for folks? So the treatments that we have available generally are therapy. So you treat the underlying um, symptoms clusters that you have. So if you have brain fog, there's cognitive rehab. If you have exercise intolerance, there's physical rehab. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a variety of different things. But in terms of actual drugs and treatment, that um, is limited to, again, like case studies. Yeah. And that therapy you speak of, I mean, is that accessible to most folks? Uh, so the current therapy that's being tested in Recover Vital, so that is Paxlovid. So that's the mainstay of treatment um, that's available. And that, We've talked a lot about Paxlovid. Yeah, and that uh, there is a case report that someone actually just down the street at Northwestern um, ended up having long COVID. They took five-day course, and uh, their symptoms resolved shortly after. Mm. So now there's actually a few trials that are trying to see if Paxlovid um, improves uh, symptoms and you know, recover vital is one of them. Yeah. Do we have any idea of, of how many people actually end up fully recovering from long COVID post-treatment? So I, I saw a study in France and what they saw was about nine and 10 people recover and the rate at which people recover varies. So some people recover really quickly. Some people kind of slowly, gradually improve. Some people have persistent symptoms mm. even at the two-year mark. So there is an end in sight. There is. You just don't know when. Exactly. With long COVID. It, and it's it speaks to kind of how heterogeneous long yeah. COVID is. Yeah, why is it so difficult to understand? Okay, so uh, speaking a little mechanistically as to why we think this is going on. Um, uh, so the COVID virus, um, essentially it's an RNA virus. And the thought is that for long COVID, there's a hypothesis that um, the actual viral particles or the RNA that uh, is the genetic information of this virus is staying in the body in a reservoir form. So whether it's the virus itself replicating at a low grade level, whether it's the actual RNA that's still present, or whether it's the proteins that are kind of being created from that genetic information. And so it's the body's response to potentially the virus itself, mm -hmm. the actual proteins, and that can result in autoimmune problems. It can result in the body just, you know, um, the immune system kind of targeting it and creating pathology that way, or it can be chronic inflammation that's causing it. So 
there's a lot of different ways that this potentially could be causing long COVID. Jeez. Well, you and your team, you're currently looking for participants, right? We are actively looking for participants. We have had a, a really overwhelming response as yeah. we've kind of Anything in particular out. you're looking for? So we're looking for anyone that has long COVID. Um, and what I would say is uh, for patients that have, say, exercise intolerance or, you know, brain fog, probably see your doctor, make sure there's nothing else that's going on. And if there is a concern for long COVID, then reaching out to us would, uh, you know, would be great. And uh, tell us how we do that, because if folks are interested and they want to learn more, where should they go? I think the best way is to contact us via email. So we are ID research at northshore.org. That is Nirav Shah, the Director of Infectious Disease Research and Site Primary Investigator for North Shore Edward Elmhurst Health for the Recover Studies. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to turn now to someone that we've had on the show in the past. Now, last time we spoke to them was for a conversation about long COVID and about their experience living with it, and that was almost a year ago. So let's introduce Shamir L. Sweeney, who's a long COVID patient, writer, and advocate. Welcome back, Shamir. Hey, how are you? Doing good, well. Good to speak to you again. Good to hear from you again. And first thing, I, I got to, you know, bring up the elephant in the room. Your last name is not Smith anymore. It's not. <laughs> you got, got married. married. In June. Yes, Congrats. I did. Yeah, I got married and I moved to upstate New York all in like one month. So oh I've officially been away from Baltimore for for about three and a half months. Wow. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. We're we're so happy for you. A lot's changed since we last talked and I'm I'm really thrilled. And I want to talk about living with long COVID some more, mm -hmm. Shamir. But first let's listen to a little bit of what you told us last year. I oftentimes think think of my body as a bank that's full of savings, and the and the less I push, the more savings I'm able to um, to place into my account. And so um, there's there's a part of us that wants our, our minds want us so badly to return back to those old bodies. And so initially what you do is you push, you push, you push until you realize that you make yourself sicker, you make yourself weaker, and and you're not able to do anything. Does that still resonate with you, Shamir? It does. <laughs> it's like the story of my life. It's my life's motto. I have to continue to treat my body, especially with all of the emotional changes. Um, I have to treat my body like a bank, you know, so I got married and I moved to another state. Um, and so, I, you know, my husband can tell you it took me um, after the initial the, those two major events, which were very happy and joyful for me. It took me about a month and a half to fully recover to, you know, nail my new baseline because I had spent all the money in my bank. So it's still the same. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Mm. So have you learned anything new about living with long COVID in the past year? Yeah, you know, um, as as the gentleman said before, I'm learning how many people are actually disabled um, more and more. There are new studies, new surveys, new, um, you know, educational reports that are showing us that there are so many people, almost a million people now. Um, you know, we're talking in the 700,000s of people who are now living with with long COVID. And those are the people that statistically at this point we know about. And that's scary. And then also what I've learned in the last year is that there are more black women, more black women in their families and their communities are, that are actually coming out and admitting to their caregivers and, and partners and, and, and um, co-workers and, and bosses and saying, I think something is wrong. 
And usually what that means is I believe that I have some form of long COVID or I have a comorbidity Mm. that is partnered with long COVID. So that's what I'm learning. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, something else that sticks out um, that you experienced pretty early on in your Mm -hmm. journey was was being dismissed, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Last year, you Mm -hmm. were telling us how doctors would say, oh, just wait two weeks, you know, just Mm -hmm. just wait it out. Um, Mm -hmm. And you said how, you know, I'm still waiting on those two weeks. Yeah, yeah. You you still Um, running into that? um, You know, not as much. And that's because of all of the, you know, advocacy I had to do um, over the last three years to get to this point. Um, Thankfully for me and unfortunately for many of my other brothers and sisters um, in this fight, um, I do live, uh, you know, on the in the New York City corridor. Right. In the in the suburban area. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to now I am a patient at um, the post covid clinic and at Mount Sinai in New York City. Um, But recently, you know, I had a sinus infection, an upper respiratory issue, and I went to an urgent care And I wanted them to know that my long COVID experience could exacerbate my condition, my current condition. And they wanted to ignore me. I went once in the morning and they were like, oh, you're fine. Go home. And then I thought about it. I talked it up with my husband. I said, I'm going to actually go back because I know better than to be dismissed this way. Mm. So I went back. And I sat down and talked to a provider and I was able to get the treatment that I needed because now I don't play any games about my health. I don't let people dismiss me. I'm almost on the defense like a great basketball player (laughs) because I just can't I just can't chance my, you know, chance my health this time around now that I know better. Yeah. You mentioned treatment there. I mean, how are you currently treating your condition? Um, I have, you know, I just recently, (laughs) listen, I am living, um, we're living in the Sweeney pharmacy here, right? (laughs) Um, you know, CVS is like, is like my, you know, going to CVS on a good day is like a field trip to me because I'm always there. You know, currently I'm taking about 10 to 12 medications, um, two auto injectables once a month. Um, I'm just recently was put on something for mast cell syndrome, which is a hyper allergy condition that causes rashes, uh, fatigue, extra fatigue. Um, It causes rashes in your scalp, all over your body, um, sinus infections, and so many other things. So right now I'm taking a medication called chromalin because I have to get that under control. I have so many rashes, like chicken pox rashes, on my body that are not healing. They are still there. They're making a mark on my body. And so I needed some relief soon. I have, you know, itchy skin at night. Um, I don't sleep as a result of, you know, this. So I'm I'm looking at, you know, every other day I'm getting prescribed something. But I will say that while that is the downside of that, I am very pleased at this point with um, the treatment that I've been, you know, getting from uh, Mount Sinai, which is why... I decided um, in the last month or so to hold a special virtual event for black women and black families um, called Dismissed to Diagnosed because it is so important um, that we get actual medical diagnosis mm-hmm. uh, for our conditions because the only way we're able to get government assistance, resources, Section 8, food stamps, 
and um, social security disability insurance and also disability insurance from our employers is if we have been medically diagnosed. So my goal is with my special team, Cynthia Adenick, who's a great uh, uh, long COVID advocate and Brooke Keaton. Um, my goal is to, to, to help our, our black families and BIPOC community members to learn how to achieve a medical diagnosis, mm -hmm. how to reach out to their local and state political affiliates for resources and all also how to properly fill out a social security disability insurance application. Those things right there are the key to our protest. Since a lot of us can't afford to go out into communities and stand up with signs because simply we don't have the energy. Yeah. We're, 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 we're strapped to beds and, 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 and we're laying on couches with our laptops and phones in our hands. So I thought to myself, let's protest a different way to get the attention of our politicians, doctors, and also the social Social Security Administration so that we can get the help financially and medically that we need. Yeah, you're continuing your, your trend of teaching, you know, because I know that you yeah. are you're a former teacher in Baltimore. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you, uh -huh. you had to medically retire earlier this year, but, you, but you're doing yeah. it in a different way, right? This is uh, what you're describing yeah. is the Black Long COVID experience. It is, and that's the name of my, you know, that's the name of my my mission. It's the Black Long COVID experience. Um, it, it, I want to, I want more black families to tell their stories. We cannot afford to not be in the, you know, in the know about, you know, social security and, and, you know, all these other forms of things. You know, there's so many of my sisters and brothers who reach out to me and DMs and they're like, what do I do? So this first virtual event answer some of those major questions. Mm -hmm. How do I achieve this and how do I get this? So I'm really hoping that people um, will sign up for it. And that's on October 14th, right? It's October 15th. Yep. At uh, 3 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time. Mm -hmm. And where can folks go to learn more? They can go to ShamirLadon.com. That is uh, long COVID patient writer and advocate Shamir L. Sweeney. Thank you so much. Really good checking in with you. Thank you, Sasha. Take care. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced and edited by Micah Yason, along with Meha Ahmed. If you enjoy Reset, it would mean a lot if you liked and subscribed so that you never miss an episode. We drop them daily, Monday through Saturday. Okay, that's it for the Reset Pod. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we will talk again this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.